Well, today I have a word from God for fathers. I believe God has put this message on my heart for fathers here today. But honestly, I believe it's a word that applies to all men and even women. On this Father's Day weekend, I want to share with you, and especially share with fathers, the story of Samson and Delilah. Because I believe out of this story, there are some things that we as men, and especially fathers, we need to, we need to take care of today. And so as we begin, let's begin with Judges chapter 16 and verse 15. The Bible says, after putting him, Sansom, to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. And binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. But look at this last verse. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. That last verse is so important. Will you, will you read that last verse with me? But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Remember that verse. It's critical to what we're talking about today. And when you read that last sentence about his hair beginning to grow again, that's no big deal to us. But it's almost like it's a surprise to the Philistines that Samson's hair began to grow again. We all know it's no miracle that when hair has been shaved, when we've had a buzz cut, that it begins to grow again. That's just a natural kind of thing. Now it may be, as I look across this audience, it may be a miracle for some <laughs> that hair begins to grow again. But it's, it's a natural kind of a thing. But it's almost like it came as a surprise to the Philistines. You see, the key to Samson's power was a vow that he had made to God. He vowed that a razor would never touch his hair. So when the Philistines shaved his hair, when they buzz cut him, and that's what I want to talk to you about today, a buzz cut, when they buzz cut him, the Bible says the power of the Lord departed from him. It's like when his hair was gone, his power was gone. When his hair was cut off, his power had been cut off. When his vow to the Lord had ended, his power was ended. Now the Philistine rulers said, now that we've subdued him, I don't think we're going to kill him. We're, we're going to keep him alive because he can serve us as a slave. He can be a servant. He can, he can work in our mill. And so they shaved his hair and the Bible says he became like any other man. The strength of any other man. Now many of you know this story. But I want to look at this story in a completely different way this morning. When we talk about Samson, we, we talk about a man committed to God who kind of got deceived and seduced by Delilah. And we, we, we look at it that way. But I want to look at it from the perspective of the Philistines today. I want us to see it as they saw it. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the Philistine people. So let's flip it today from the way we normally talk about Samson and Delilah. So let's do this, and let's start at the beginning of the story of Samson. Even at his birth, he was supernatural. Because his mother was old, she was barren, she could not have children. 
But an angel of the Lord came and says, you are going to have a child and he will be a deliverer. So she went and she told her husband, his name was Menorah. And she told her husband, we're going to have a baby. You know what Menorah said? It's kind of funny. I need to see the same angel. <laughs> Woman, you've got to be crazy. You know, if an angel told, told you, this angel's got to also tell me. So God sent an angel again and told them, this child is to be raised as a Nazarite. He's to take the Nazarite vow. Now, the Nazarite vow meant three things. All the days of his life, he was never to cut his hair, not even to trim it. He was never to drink wine, not a drop of it. He was never to touch anything that God said was, was unclean, forbidden foods, anything that was dead or what God declared unclean. So from the very time that this boy was in the mother's womb, the parents dedicated him to God. And then from that point on, as a young boy, he kept that Nazarite vow. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came on him and made him able to do supernatural things. One time the Bible says he ripped open the mouth of a lion. The lion was clenched down, tight as could be, and he ripped open the mouth's lion, the lion's mouth. Another occasion, the Bible says, he killed 1,000 soldiers with nothing but a jawbone of a donkey. 1,000 trained soldiers all by himself. Same battle. This was a supernatural, empowered kind of a guy. Supernatural power from God came upon Samson time and time again because he kept his vow and he obeyed the God Almighty. Now, we need to understand, his long hair was not the thing that gave him the power of God. That was just an outward sign of his commitment to God. An outward sign of his consecration to God. But as he obeyed God, the Bible says he was given supernatural strength to overcome forces that came against him. And the Bible tells us now that the Philistines had come to a place where they feared him. He was their greatest enemy. He was their most feared enemy. Anytime they heard the name of Samson, the soldiers would tremble in their boots, fear gripped their hearts. They not only feared him, but in some ways they respected his mighty power. They stood in awe of his potential to do great damage to their military, to their homes, to their families, because he had already killed thousands of their brothers. And their fathers. So they began looking for a way to trap Samson. How can we subdue him? How can we overcome him? They knew they had to find a way to find the source of his strength. Where did it come from? So they tried all kinds of things. And the Bible says every time they tried to subdue him, he would just shake himself free. Soldiers would die. But then they discovered a potential weakness. Read about it. The Bible says this. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman. Here it is, guys. Where trouble begins, right? <laughs> he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, and her name was Delilah. The Bible says the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength. And how we can overpower him so we can tie him up and subdue him. And Delilah, each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Suddenly, Samson was a he-man with a she problem. <laughs> 
because she had just been offered a ton of money to help the Philistine rulers. She was just offered 1,100 shekels from each of the five Philistine rulers. There were five rulers. And so she had just been offered 5,500 shekels and scholars tell us that the, the amount, that amount equated to 550 work days at the average daily pay. She was going to be financially set for the next year and a half of her entire life. So Delilah agreed to help the rulers to find the secret to his strength. So she began trying to persuade Samson to tell her the secret to his strength. The first time she asked him, he said, Well, if anybody ties me with seven fresh bowstrings, that have never been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. And, and, and that's it. So she tied him up with seven fresh bowstrings. She called in the Philistine soldiers. They tried to capture him. He just snaps the strings. The second time she asked him, what's the secret to your strength? He says, if anybody ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So she tied him up. She called in the soldiers and he snaps the ropes. Now, at that point, I would have been thinking, come on, Samson, is this the woman for you? <laughs> come on, you've you got to get a clue here. But evidently, he was in deeply, deeply in love with her. A third time, she comes back and he says, well, if you weave the, the seven braids of my hair, his hair was braided, into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So she did that and she called the soldiers and once again, he pulled himself free. Then she said to him, Samson, how can you say that you love me when you won't even confide in me? Can you hear a woman saying that? You won't even tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. This is the third time you've made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And the Bible says, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So finally he gave up. He told her, the strength is in my hair. He said, no razor has ever been used in my head because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. I'd become as weak as any other man. So Delilah sent word to the rulers. She said, come back once more. He's now told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned, look at this, with silver in their hands. So when Samson fell asleep, she said, lay your head on my lap, put him to sleep. She had someone come in and shave off the braids of his hair. And the Bible says, then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll go out and shake them like I did be before. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines seized him, bind him binded him. They, they blinded him. And... They started off towards prison where he'd have to live behind bars the rest of his life. Now, look at this picture now from the perspective of the Philistines. Here he is, their greatest enemy. They've now subdued him. They've now captured him. So try to get the picture of this enemy that's killed thousands of their friends and family members. And they're now leading him, chained up, bound, through the streets to prison. They'd all heard about his stories. Many of their families had been affected by this man who had killed loved ones. Samson was their enemy. 
But now their greatest enemy is blind and bound. And now he's being belittled before them all. He'll spend his life in prison now. And when he's not in prison, he'll be in the grinding mill. He'll be their slave. He'll push that big stone wheel like an animal to grind out their grain. So can you see as they walk toward the prison? Can you see with me this morning? The streets being lined lined with thousands wanting to see their greatest enemy belittled. Can you see hundreds of soldiers walking alongside in front, alongside in back, surrounding him? And even though he's blind, even though he's now bound, they're not taking any chances with Samson. Hundreds of guards. This is the man that had killed a thousand soldiers by himself. Can you imagine how attentive the soldiers are? Can you imagine how much their eyes are glued on Samson? Can you imagine their, their swords are not in their sheath? They're drawn. They're ready. As Samson is paraded down the street, can you see moms pulling their kids inside saying, Honey, c- c- come here, honey. This is Samson. We've told you about Samson. Can you see little moms picking up their little kids and holding them tight and the kids pulling the mom close? As she says, that's Samson. They had all heard the stories about mighty Samson. And everybody as he's going down the street is thinking, be careful. We thought we've had him before. Be careful. He might break loose like he's always done before. This is Samson. But listen close now, little by little and day by day, all of those hundreds and thousands of people get more comfortable and relaxed around Samson. Soon, fewer guards were assigned to him. Soon, the word began to spread that his power was gone. He was no longer a threat. They were saying, we've given him a buzz cut. We've bound him. We've blinded him. We've belittled him. He now serves us. He is now our slave. We could have killed him, but we want to be served by him. So day after day, as they moved him from his cell to the grinding mill, with no problems at all, I believe the rulers and the people, the soldiers, began to relax. And probably little by little, the number of soldiers guarding him was reduced to to one or two, not hundreds. Little by little, the people, as he was led to the mill, would slap him and spit on him. Little by little, the kids, as he was led to the mill, would would make fun of him. But none of them were noticing that his hair was growing. Nobody was noticing that Samson's hair was growing. Look at the scripture. The Bible says the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Probably little by little, the fear they once had of Samson went away. The caution they used to use when he was around went away. The hypersensitivity that they had to this dangerous man and what he could do to their homes, it went away. It's kind of like a numbness set in. No longer were they afraid of him. So one day, the Bible says, when they were drunk on wine in the temple of their God, their God was called Dagon, when they were drunk on wine, they said, bring in Samson and let him entertain us. They wanted to laugh and slap and spit upon this former enemy. They wanted him to become their entertainment. But look very close at what the next Bible says, next verse says. The Bible says, when they stood him among the pillars... Samson said to the servant 
And the word servant, in the most literal translation of the Bible, uh, New American Standard Bible, is translated boy, not servant. King James is the word lad. So look at this. Samson said to the boy, the lad, who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so I may lean against them. Now listen close. So now it is a young boy who is taking the hand of Samson and leading him into the temple to the pillars of the temple. What a difference from the first day when they captured him. Nobody would have thought about letting their children get near the great Samson. They knew he was dangerous and they protected their children. But now all of that fear was gone. They'd gotten so comfortable with their enemy, the fear was gone. So much so that they asked a little boy to to, to take the hand of Samson. A little boy to put his hand into the hand of their greatest enemy. They became so comfortable with him, they were now looking at their enemy as their entertainment and even allowing their kids to participate. Now here's the deal. On this weekend, fathers, I want you to see that too often we allow the entertainment in our homes to come from our enemy. Too often the entertainment that we used to keep in its place, the entertainment that we used to buzz cut, the entertainment that we used to say is dangerous and we won't play around with it is now no big deal and we even allow our children to get involved with it. Now maybe some of you fathers think that you've subdued and conquered some things in your life. You've overcome some temptations and if you have, praise God for that. But be careful Because they can come back tomorrow and your enemy may just come back stronger than you've ever understood him to be before. The Bible tells us that Jesus had to resist temptation and he did that and he never sinned. But when Jesus resisted temptation, when Satan brought it to him in Luke 4 and Matthew 3, it says that Satan came back to Jesus at a more convenient time and he does the same thing with us. Just when we get hungry and hot and tired and depressed and alone and nobody's around, Satan comes back at a more convenient time to take you down. So listen, you may have victory over some temptation today, but the hair grows back. And the enemy's strength comes back. And he comes back at a more convenient time. And he's just waiting for you to get comfortable with him, desensitized to him, and he'll come back. Now, we've all seen new things created in our culture. And when some of these new things came out, we looked at them and and we saw that they could be potentially dangerous to our lives and, and to our families, and so we guarded ourselves. We took great caution when it came to those things. You know, I thought about TV. You know, TV came out some 50-some years ago. And, and I must have been about seven when my parents got our first little black-and-white TV. And uh, I'll never forget, whenever we turned on that black-and-white TV, you turned it on, and it took several minutes for it to warm up. <laughs> and even before it got warmed up, all you saw was fuzzy lines across the screen as it was warming up. And then even when it did warm up, the picture would kind of phase in and phase out. And so dad would have to go outside. We had an antenna outside our house. And he'd have to manually, physically turn it. And he would, kids, is that better? No, dad, it's awful. And he'd keep turning it until we got it adjusted. We just got the picture about right. And then later on in life, we we got a little box with a dial on it. And it ran a motor on the antenna. And it would go north, south, east, west. And we would click that thing around until we got the best picture possible. 
I know, I'm old. That's what you're thinking right now. But back then, many pastors would preach about the dangers of TV. And they would caution us, and and some people just decided to kill it. As a Christian, we're just going to kill it. We're going to take it out of our lives. We're not even going to play around. It's just too dangerous. But some of us thought we can get some good out of it. Maybe we can preach the gospel through TV someday. And so some decided to not kill it. And and it was allowed in their homes. And, And most Christians, including my parents, decided to allow it in their homes. But we did treat it with caution. And as I remember back to those early days of TV, I never heard anybody swear on TV. In those early days, you you never saw anybody or heard anybody take God's name in vain on TV. In those days, you never saw Ellen kiss her girlfriend on TV. In those days, you, you you never saw them bleep out words or blur images. In those days, you never saw the filth that's on HBO. In those early days of TV, you never saw nudity. Even in those days when Elvis was the hottest thing on the planet, they edited out his dancing. They wouldn't show Elvis dancing. (laughs) In those early days, we can say it this way, TV was buzz cut. It was buzz cut. They They were keeping it clean. But over time, we get comfortable with the presence of our enemy. So here we are today. We're living in a time when we've got satellite TV. We've got wireless internet almost everywhere we go. And I am not saying that it's all bad. I am not saying that we should kill it. But I am saying that we should never forget the lesson that the Philistine people learned. That hair grows back. And when hair grows back, the enemy gets stronger. And if we allow our enemy in our homes, things can come to ruin. So now we fast forward from their time to our time and suddenly we have satellite everything with producers who are willing to show full nudity and everything that can be done under the sun. And so here's the deal. What other generations feared as dangerous to their lives and to those in their homes, we're now bringing into our homes. We're we're, we're now taking our enemy by the hand and saying, come on in to my home. Come on in to the temple. Come on into the place where I live. And we're just bringing, we're taking hands of the enemy and bringing them home. And in many homes, when mom and dad are not around, their children on the parents' TV or on the kids' computer or the family computer or on their iPad or their iPhone, they are holding hands with the enemy. Today, Seven-year-olds, ten-year-olds, teenagers are watching pornography, fornication, adulterous affairs, lying, cheating, stealing. Suddenly, minds are being entertained by the enemy, Satan himself, who's coming to us through all forms of communication to do what? To steal God's word from our hearts. To kill our faith in God. To destroy our eternal relationship with Him. And this is what the Bible says. Look at it. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says He's like a roaring lion, roaming, seeking who He can devour. But folks, we have become so desensitized to our enemy that we don't realize that Satan, just like Samson, can bring the house down. The Philistines forgot about the power of their enemy. They just thought he was now their entertainment. But they forgot about his power, that his hair grows back, his strength returns. And you bring him into your house, he can bring your house down. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ has forgotten the power of its enemy. 
Satan will bring your house down, folks, if you're not careful. He will bring your house down, fathers, if you're not watching. He'll bring your house down if you are not alert. But if you keep him bound, if you keep him buzz cut, his hair will grow, his strength will return, and he'll come after your house. If you don't keep him buzz cut, if you don't keep him bound, he'll come after your house. And he'll never stop coming after you. He'll always keep tempting you. But if you position yourself in the word of God and you choose to stay in the word of God and obey the word of God, you can have victory. I want you to look at this barber's chair this morning as the word of God. And if you, when he is tempted and he comes after you, if you'll just position yourself in the word of God, which is, the Bible says, is sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you look at these clippers like a two-edged sword, and you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I resist you. According to the word of God, this is not of him. And I resist you, and I command you to be gone in the name of Jesus. He'll have to flee as you position yourself in the word of God, and you pull out the word of God, the two-edged sword, and you give him a buzz cut. As you say, it's for me and my house, we're going to worship God. And you give him a buzz cut. When you do that, you'll have victory in your life and you will overcome him again and again every time he comes after you. You take a hold of the word of God and in the name of Jesus, you give him a buzz cut and you take away his power. And all of God's people said, amen. You take away his power. But in too many homes today, children are being allowed to put their hand into the hand of our greatest enemy. So it's time for fathers and even mothers to guard their children because the great destroyer is after them. It's time for fathers to be alert, to know what's being watched, to know every password on every computer, to have access to all things at all times. Now hear me, it's not time to kill technology, but it is time to buzz cut and bind up the thing that can steal your children from God. Keep technology in its place. Use it for good, but keep it in its place. Because if you don't, here's what will happen. Look at this. Samson said to the boy holding his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars and support the temple so I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women and all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson reached toward the two, look at this, two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. When we leave our kids unsupervised on the internet, hour after hour, we are putting their hand of our children into the hand of something that is dangerous, something directly inspired by Satan to bring down your child and to bring down your house. And when moms and dads are unsupervised, the same things can happen. If you allow the hair to grow, men, the strength grows. And then it becomes harder and harder to resist the temptations of the evil one. And suddenly, he is so strong, he is shaking the pillars of your faith, the pillars of your house, and your house and everything that's dear to you can come crashing down. So fathers, you stand up, you set boundaries for your home and for each other. Amen? Amen. Don't put the hand of your child into the hand of something dangerous and say, good luck, honey, I hope to see you in heaven. Take a stand. 
Whether we're talking about TV or the internet or alcohol, we've got to be careful when it comes to what hand we put our children's hands into. There used to be a day when we feared alcohol. And I know that the Bible talks about moderation. And that only drunkenness scripturally is a sin. And I know that Christians around the world from various cultures take different stances on alcohol. I want you to know, though, I don't drink. I decided to kill that one. Not just buzz cut it, I decided to kill that one. The very beginning of my life. And I found that I can have fun without it. I have a great time in life. I don't even need it to relax. I, I, I don't have it, I've never had a drop of it. That's my personal conviction because I believe it's dangerous. Now, the Bible says those given to drunkenness, look at this, will have their place in the place of fire. Now, maybe you have been able to handle it without drunkenness, but if you put the hands of your kids into the hand of alcohol, the question will always be, will they be able to handle it without drunkenness? And the eternal penalty that comes with that sin. You say, where's that penalty talked about? Galatians chapter 5, read it. This is serious stuff. There used to be a healthy fear of the damage that social drinking could do that is not present today. We have, even as Christians and churches, have become so comfortable with it that some parents are saying, it's okay, honey, take a hold of it. Just use it right, take a hold of it. Even though it could tear your house down. And I've watched it over and over. I've counseled family after family. That alcohol has been the thing that has brought their house down. As well as drunkenness can steal your relationship for all eternity with God. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I don't want to judge you and I won't judge you. Because you don't go to heaven because you do or don't have a glass of wine. That's not how you get to heaven. You get to heaven because you have given your life to Jesus Christ. You obey His commands and His blood has paid for your sins. Amen? That's how you get to heaven. But let me say this. You had better be wise. Because his hair is growing. And you may have kids and grandkids. And they may not be able to handle it. And Samson said, hey little boy. Your parents trusted me enough to hold hands with you. So take me to the pillars of the house. And he put one hand on one pillar. One hand on the other pillar. Folks, there are two pillars that are vital to our walk with God. Pillar number one is your relationship with God. Satan wants to destroy that pillar. He wants to destroy your devotional life, your prayer life, your worship life, your serving life, your giving life. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. That's pillar number one. Pillar number two is this, your non-relationship with sin. He wants to destroy that pillar. He wants you to lose that wall of separation between you and sin. He wants you to lose your convictions and be just like the world. He wants you to lose your sensitivity to sin and be just like the world. But God has said to be in the world, but not of the world. Amen? Amen. You are called and I am called to be like Jesus. We are called to be disciples, students, followers of Jesus. We are called to obey the commands of Jesus. That means there will be some things you will not do. There'll be some places you will not go. There'll be some thoughts you will not entertain. 
Don't make your enemy your entertainment. Don't reach out and take hold of the hand of your enemy. And listen, if you've got time to put stuff on Facebook, but your face is never in this book, God, oh man, Satan's already got a hold on you. If you're on Facebook more than you're in this book, Satan's already got a hold on your relationship with God. He is already beginning to draw you away from your relationship with God. He's already beginning to entice you to have a greater relationship with the world. And if you don't watch it, he'll bring the house down on you. Now the Bible teaches all things of this world ought to serve us. Food, drink, technology, they ought to serve us to bring God's kingdom to this world. But you will need to constantly, when the temptations come, to pull out the Word of God, which is sharper than a two-edged sword, and give those temptations a buzz cut. You'll need to put those temptations in their proper place. You'll need to keep them buzz cut and bound and powerless. Amen? Amen? So when Satan comes and when those temptations come, you just put yourself back into the Word of God. You position yourself in the Word of God. And if you're doing this day by day, it's, it's easier and gets easier when you position yourself in the Word of God every morning. But you get yourself into the Word of God and you take out the Word of God that you've learned that you know and you take out the two-edged sword like these clippers and you give them a buzz cut. Amen? You'd love to see me do this, wouldn't you? <laughs> I like my hair too much. <laughs> But you give him a buzz cut. You keep him bound. You keep him powerless. You keep him in his place. Amen? And you will win. So fathers, the question is on this Father's Day, what is it that you need in your life to give a buzz cut to? What is it that you need to buzz cut so your house will not fall? So your children will be protected? So that you're... You can leave a legacy in front of your family. This is how dad did it. This is how dad stayed as a man of God. I'm going to do it like dad did it because he honored God. He dedicated his, vow, his life to God and he kept his vow to God. That's something you can leave for your kids. So what, what do you need to buzz cut? And it might not be the things we talked about today. It might be anger. Maybe the only time you talk to your kids that you're just lashing out in anger. Maybe you need to buzz cut the spirit of anger. What is it? Whatever it is, will you repent of it this morning? Kind of make a note on your outline. Father's Day 2013, I, I buzz cut something in my life. Repent of it right here. God's here. Turn away from it. and Start fresh and new today. Let's bow. Let's pray. God's been speaking to your heart about something Man, woman, student, would you pray this prayer in your heart with me? Father, I repent of the things in my life that are sinful and not pleasing to you. I choose to buzz cut the things that are not pure. By your power, I will keep my enemy buzz cut and bound. I will no longer make my enemy my entertainment. Father, it thrills my heart that whenever 
we humble ourselves before you and we center and align our lives upon you, your response is grace and mercy. Our adversary will try to tell us that you won't accept us back, you won't forgive us, but that is not true. You forgive us, you give us grace and mercy. And so Lord, for for each person here, and especially each father here, that's deciding right here and now to buzz cut something that's not pure, something that's not pleasing and right in your sight, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would allow him to sense complete forgiveness and you would allow him to leave this place set free. And when the tempter comes back, that you'll give him the power and strength to position himself in your word and pull out your sword and buzz cut that thing again and again until we meet you face to face. And all of God's people said, Amen.